Before we get started, I want to draw your attention to the E on this podcast. It stands for explicit. That means that I will be using words and singing phrases or probably talking about topics you don't want your kids to hear. Being that said, fair warning, let's get started. Welcome to You Gotta Meet Her podcast. I'm Christine Barr. This is part two of the bonus episodes of interviews with me, Christine Barr. (laughs) Um, You will hear a part in here where it is edited um, for the reason being I accidentally deleted some audio. And when I found out what audio it was, it had to be God that was driving my body and I just didn't know it. It had to be the universe. It had to be my gut. I don't know. I honestly did not mean to delete it, Um, but I was not speaking well about my ex-husband and I have a very strict rule that I normally do not talk publicly about him. So I think that God took over my body and was like, delete that. And I have, I have to, I have to just say that that that's that's what it was. You still get the information. You're still getting all this, these things that my trauma, the the just of the relationship. But what was on that deleted audio was not good. And now that I think about it, I probably shouldn't even spoke it because I know words have energy. Um. I know you're probably thinking now, what what the hell was on that audio? But it, it was not good. And so I will let you listen to the rest of it. And please, please um, understand that it, it wasn't necessarily not painting me in the bed's light, but it wasn't the right words that I should have used. And so I, I apologize to him if he ever listens to this. Um, and I ask for forgiveness for him for even speaking those words. But I also want you to know that I I apologize to you, the listener, for the fact that you don't get to hear it. But at the same time, <laughs> it's, it's good that it's gone. Thank you for listening. This is part two of You Gotta Meet Her podcast, Christine Barr. Okay, we're back with Christine. Yeah. Um, this is part two um, of her story, the story. Um, <laughs> and so before we get into it, I know there's a couple things you want to say. Yeah. So I'll let you take the floor. Okay, so since the first episode aired... I had a, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, I unlocked some things in myself and it comes down to the thing about silence is violence. Mm -hmm. And I understand what the message is trying to say. And this, and for someone that didn't listen to the first part, this is talking about black lives matters, the protests that are happening, peaceful protests that are Mm -hmm. happening, but this is a sign that people are making This is things that they're posting on Facebook. This is people calling out other people on Facebook about being silent at this time. So I have two things about it. Yeah. The first thing is people that don't understand what it means or people that don't understand the movement are putting out bad information. 
Um, they're reposting something that they saw someone else post and they don't know what they're posting, but they felt like it was a good point and they don't want to be for violence. Right. Or they are right. And they don't want to seem like they don't care and they do want to seem like they're for the movement. So they post this or repost it or mm-hmm. whatever on their page. And then I've seen this. It's about three or four times, but I'll give you the one that really stuck out to me. She posted something, and it was a Martha Luther King's quote. And one of her friends said some pretty negative stuff under it mm-hmm. that I don't necessarily agree with. And I don't think they were being racist or anything like that. It was just... Miseducated, misinformed. Right. All of about things. everything. Yeah. And she goes in and she's really, really passionate about telling this person off. You don't know what black people are going through and all this stuff. And she's like, did you know slavery ended only a hundred years ago? And I was like, whoa. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I'm bad at math. So 20, 20. No, Christine, you know that it was not a hundred years ago. But that was information she was giving. Yeah. And because someone else said something to her and she didn't understand. Or she now, thought she understood. The, right. She then gives misinformation to this person. I addressed it outside of the post okay. and gave her information and was like, you know, this would have been more of a loving way of being able to touch that person's heart. And here's some facts about slavery. <laughs> like, and... I, I, I think that's something that I'm seeing happening. And that wasn't the only post yeah. that I've seen. But these people are reposting and they don't know the fundamentals of it. But because it's it's like a indirect bullying mm. of saying, you're not with us because you're silent. Yeah. And so she chose not to be silent, but yet still didn't know what she was saying. So that's that's one thing. The other thing is, is I'm going to tell you about a personal experience, and I'm going to try to do this without crying. Nope, I'm already okay. feeling it. Okay. <laughs> we, we will power through. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I can do this. You can. Okay. So, when we're in a situation as humans, there's so many different reactions that you can have to a certain event. And sometime about six or seven months ago, Someone that I love, wasn't my husband, but just somebody that I loved, made a very derogatory comment and a joke. And it wasn't a black thing. It wasn't a white thing. It wasn't, it was about Muslims. It was inappropriate. Yeah. Um, it was disgusting. Oh, wow. And it was considered a joke. And oh, I froze. And it wasn't because it wasn't about black people that I didn't feel like I should say something. And no one laughed about it. No one said anything about it. And the person didn't really read the room either Mm -hmm. to know to stop, like, just shut the fuck up. But I, I had a therapy session about it. Oh, wow. Because I was so mad at myself that I didn't speak up. And then I started questioning my integrity. Mm-hmm. And then I started mm-hmm. questioning 
Who was I? Like, I'm not that person that just, oh, it doesn't affect me, so I'm not going to say anything. But at that moment, like, I, I, I think it was, like, almost like my my lights were knocked out. Like, mm-hmm. outside of fuck you, yeah. like, there was nothing educated that I could say. And it's really rare for me to be so speechless. Normally, I can say, don't say something like that and address it outside of the group. Yeah. But the intensity of the comment froze me. And so I asked people that aren't saying something on big public forums to like, not the silence is violence. I totally understand it. And I agree with Absolutely. it. That That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, think about what, what other reactions people can have. And I had to give, I had to forgive myself mm. and it, and I cried about it. I talked to Brandon about it and it was hard for me to forgive myself because I didn't stand up for someone. And I felt like that was someone testing my integrity and I didn't shine like I wanted to. And so for me, it's hard. And like, obviously I'm still emotional about it because I just, Oh God. And now, and and it was addressed. I want to, I want to say that I still addressed it. That's good. But at that very moment, I froze and I'm, I'm really good at like telling people my opinion. <laughs> and, you know, I'm really good at if I see injustice, I say something. If I, if I see someone mistreating a child or anybody of any race, but like at that moment, I, I don't know if it was that person saying those words that mm. shook me or like, I don't know what it was, but there was nothing educated I could have said. It was, it was inappropriate for them make, to make that comment but at the time it was also inappropriate for me to correct them i do want to say that i did recognize it and the way that i wanted to correct them it was a, in a it, it yes. was it was not it, i needed to sit down with them and we need to talk about this why that's not funny why we need to change our way of thinking and i i just want to say like give those people that aren't saying something doesn't mean that they agree and I don't want people to start saying something that they're not educated on. Sometimes it's better to be quiet because you don't know informed. what the yeah. Like if you don't if you don't know what the fuck to say, just say I'm here with you. Yep. I I agree with you. I'm on your side, and that's enough. When that's all you can say, I will say this. I've had multiple of people that have reached out and said, "What can I do?" And I'm like, you asking what you can do is, is good. Right. So I really, since, since the last episode that we were talking about this, I, I really saw a lot of those signs. And for some reason it just triggered up into me that I felt like I needed to speak about it. And, um, it, I'm still emotional about it because I am not that person. And I know that, and I know Muslim people, I have mm-hmm. Muslim friends and it just, I just, ah. Oh. I think it's okay to give yourself grace in that situation because like you said, it's not who you normally are. So good, what, 95% of the time you stand <laughs> for yeah. injustice and right. you will, you know, confront it. Um, and it speaks a lot or says a lot if you, if it, like you said, it shook you that much. There was nothing intelligent you could say. There was nothing 
emotionally like rippling that you could say to really get them to understand right. what they did wrong. Um, because if you would have reacted in the way you would have instinctually wanted to, it probably would have set the tone for the whole night. more arguments. Right. And which doesn't take it in the direction that I think we all need it to go, which is now right. understand, be compassionate and help. Yeah. Yeah. And by the time I think I came to, the conversation had already moved on. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to give that that statement a... More life. Yeah. Any more energy. Mm -hmm. But I needed to give that person more energy. And I, 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 I want to apologize to mm -hmm. myself. I want to apologize to the people that were there. And, like... Normally, I'm okay with, like, saying pretty harsh things um, that someone might have said or, you know, like, I'm mm -hmm. okay with using things in context, but that's how disgusting that that sentence was that I don't even want to give it any more energy, like mm -hmm. you said, and I, I just want to, to thank everybody for just, like, listening to that and realize that sometimes a good cause can cause bad problems. Yeah. And that's for my point one. And two, sometimes people just don't know what to do. And just asking, so what's happening can cause mayhem. Mm -hmm. And they could be asking what's happening in a whole different way. And, and it, it can cause other problems. I think, I think that's what I, I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm done. <It's> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> no, I, think, I think your listeners will appreciate that moment of vulnerability and this moment of vulnerability, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because that's what this is about. Um, and you're using this platform to shed more light on the things that's going on, to shed more light on the ability for people to speak for themselves. So um, kudos to you. I'm glad okay. you let it out. I, <laughs> I, know, I feel, feel better. better. I do I feel, feel better. Feel better. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. No, okay. Yeah. That's, I'm good. that's a lot to, to hold. Yeah. I had therapy over it. Yeah, like, it fucked that's me up. <laughs> that's real deep. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't uh, even know what to do. That, I can only imagine what was said for it to, yeah. to hit you like that. But I'm and glad. And a lot you, of stuff doesn't get me like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can say some pretty vulgar stuff. And I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Like, you're so dumb. Or, like, do you, my question, do you really think that? Because mm -hmm. I need to know before we go into Any it. Further. Are you just trying to fuck with me? Are you? Really right. And I couldn't even get, I couldn't even get that out of my mouth. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I would have stabbed this person. It's a good thing you didn't. <laughs> and it's a good thing you. Or, <laughs> this would be a podcast from Black is, uh, Black is, <laughs> Orange is the New Black. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sentence. Um, yeah. It's, it's a good thing you didn't react. Yeah. You weren't reactive at that time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Ooh, let's woo Okay. Let's woo Um, We're about to woo but now yeah. we're going to like really dig deep. Right? Okay. Yes. Shadow really, really work. Dig let's deep. do the shadow let's, work. Let's do it. Okay. So in the last uh, session, mm -hmm. we talked about, you know, growing up, we talked about, um, your childhood, we talked about um, morals, all those things that make you who you are. And there are a lot of kind of 
mentions that we didn't get a chance to dig into more. Yeah. Um, and I think now is a time for us to talk about that more. So your listeners get to know you and understand you okay. and um, really know what you're about. So you mentioned a lot of trauma mm-hmm. um, and we didn't skirt over it, but there's now we now have the time to really dig into it and right. talk about it. So trauma for you is what and has been what? Um, so I've, you've heard me say it on many episodes. Mm-hmm. I have lots of therapy <laughs> <laughs> because of the trauma. Um, and I, I've had to unlock it mm. because I didn't know what to do. And it was affecting me in a negative way. So um, I would say the f- I did not have trauma in my household. Okay. Like, I got beat, yeah. But, like, I definitely deserved it <laughs> if those were the rules, right? <laughs> right? Like, and I'm also the oldest, and I also don't fucking care, and I'm a rebel. You tested so, them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did more than test. Oh, I right. was I was the reason why the phrase says strict parents mm. cause sneaky kids. Mm. Like, the tighter they held on, the sneakier I got. And... It's also kind of like smart kids. You yeah. know when they say if you want to solve a problem, go to the prison because those motherfuckers are smart. They'll figure a way how to counterfeit, mm-hmm. rob. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that was me. Mm. I just used my powers for good. But I would say the first amount of trauma that I had um, was in, was in um, middle school. Yeah. And I was in the sixth grade. And um, I talked about my elementary school, but this school was also a magnet school. It also had, like, elite kids, but they were still around the city. Yeah. Um, Very mixed, very diverse. I I don't know. We didn't have very many Asians or Middle Eastern people there, but I don't think there are many in Tulsa, Oklahoma anyway. So I want to say that. But I remember my locker and this eighth grader would come and put his dick on me. Like, stand behind me, and I didn't know what to do. And so that was, like, my first um, experience with men Hmm. taking advantage of me or boys doing disgusting things. And I've never seen a penis, never touched a penis. All I Right. And I didn't know what to do with one like I knew I had a vagina I knew he had a penis and I knew that that's how we made babies mm-hmm. and I thought sex was just laying on top of each other like I didn't know they were inserted within each other like As I know you should at that right age. right so I'm 10 11 years old yeah and he's doing these things to me and it went on for like a week to the point where like one time I think it was like maybe the third or fourth time he would say things and I peed myself like right then and there because I was so fucking scared. So that was like my first time like with a man taking advantage of me or a, a male taking advantage of me that I can remember. And I don't ever remember having problems being little or in, you know, smaller mm-hmm, than that. Mm-hmm. And this is like I distinctively remember it. Yeah. I remember like the day after I peed myself. I remember he was like, you should probably clean that up and left. And then the next day he tried to touch my boobs and I grabbed his hand and I twisted it 
till I sprained his, like, I like literally sprained his wrist and I didn't say anything because I was ashamed. Yeah. He didn't say anything because he knew what he was doing was wrong. Right. But for like a good six weeks, his wrist was like in a splint. Like I, I twisted it until I heard it crack. Like I was trying to hurt him. Right. Never talked to me again. Not any boy ever talked to me again. After that, then I found out like two or three minutes or months later that he was telling people that I was a lesbian and that I didn't want dick. And that's why I was like this. I knew what I, Ellen came out. I knew what a lesbian (laughs) was, right? I grew up, you know, with the L word and, you know, Ellen. I knew what a lesbian was, but I didn't understand sexuality. Okay. And I don't think many kids at that age understand sexuality as if they're battling with it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, maybe I am a lesbian. I was totally okay with it. Like, it wasn't like, and I I felt free to tell my parents, even though they were Jehovah's Witnesses. And at that time, I, I don't think anybody was okay. Or I shouldn't say that. At that time, it wasn't the norm. Right. To be out. Right. To be vocal. Right. And so I didn't know that that was a thing. So school goes on. Everybody thinks that I'm a fucking lesbian at this point. Still okay with it. Seventh grade hits. And now my boobs are really coming in. And a guy asked me to do something. And I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to. I got blah, blah, blah. Something sexual or just? No, like just, hey, do you want to come over or chill or something like that? And it was, no, I have things to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you're a fucking cunt. Like, that was the sentence. And I was like, I didn't even know that that was a word. I still don't use that word because of this instance. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck. I don't know what that is. So, of course, you go home. Mom, what's a cunt? Like, (laughs) and she's like. Word of the day. Yeah. And she's like, what the fuck? You know, my mom would never say something like that. But in Christine's version of her mom, she said, what the fuck? Right? (laughs) And so I I got that. And then um, maybe second semester, seventh grade. I feel like it was second semester because I feel I know it was after Christmas. Because I got new bras. Because my mom was like, you got to get on a bra. Mm-hmm. And it's Right. It's time. And um, about, I would say probably seven or eight guys, like, cornered me and, like, pinned me to the wall and was like, you're too pretty to be a fucking lesbian. And we're going to hold you here until you tell us that you love dick. Oh, my God. And I just immediately said it to, like, get them off of me. Like, just, mm-hmm. and um, they were like, we knew it. And they left. I told my best friend about it. And um, she goes, it's because they like you. <laughs> and when boys like you and they found out that you're a lesbian, they try to tell you that you're not. And so... That's them trying to make you straight so that they can, you know, they can be your boyfriend. So it's a good thing. And even though it was trauma for me, I believed her. And I was like, oh, so I'm straight now. Like, I didn't, I had no idea about my sexuality because someone else was telling me about my sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't say anything to my parents because I didn't think it was a big deal. But... 
to this day, if I need advice, I will never go anyone to anyone in my age group. Like I'll go above my age group to get future Christine or someone that mm-hmm. I respect's viewpoint because they might have gone through it. Because if you think about it, eighth graders, middle schoolers are asking their friends for help. And that was wrong, what she told me. It was the blind leading the blind. Right. And I don't think she was being malicious. Right. I, you know, she just didn't know. Right. And at that point in time, it was, oh, you got raped? What were you wearing? That was a subject, right? That was something that someone would ask you. Or what were you doing? Were you being provocative? Or boys are being just boys? Or if you cover up, then they won't have anything to see. And so I went through that thinking, oh, I guess I'm not a lesbian anymore. Now I'm straight. And now boys like me and, or being brushed against and stuff like that. So I already was being sexualized and I didn't know it. And then after that was the black girl competition. Uh And like I told you before, I went to a very diverse school. So I had never... Like, even the black girls in my school, we were all friends. But we all knew each other for the last six years. So, like, it wasn't – it wasn't a thing. So, now I'm in eighth grade, and this girl comes up to me. And I don't think we've ever had a class together. I think this was, like, the first class. Like, the sixth and seventh grade, we never had a class. And then eighth grade, we just so happened to have, like, one class together. And it was, like, a dumb – I should say a dumb class. Mm -hmm. It was an elective. It You know. And she came – and she slammed her hand on the table and she said, I'm going to fuck you up. And then people won't think you're so pretty. And then I don't have to worry about you. And I was like, and, and you know me. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, I, I don't even remember her name. Like, this is like, uh-huh. that's how, un, I remember what she did. But like, I don't remember her name to say who she was. And... Then when people found out that I spoke another language, that race shit, that racist shit. And I remember we were, this one's hard. I remember in, it was history class and we were learning about slavery. We were learning about the coming out of slavery. And then we started talking about brown paper bag parties and all those things. And that day she took my lunch because I had a brown paper bag. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know why it makes me cry every time. And I ate my lunch in the bathroom because she told me, she was like, obviously you haven't gotten the point and you're just throwing this in her face. And, and I just didn't get it. Like, yeah. why are you being mean to me? And, and she was like, if I ever hear you fucking speaking Spanish, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna fuck you up or something like that. Or I don't know what she said. But I just remember telling my mom, I don't want a paper bag for, for my lunch anymore. Like, I might, you know, your mom is like, I have a, like, a, I get a hundred right. of them for $2. Like, yeah. So much. And like, one <laughs> right. And 
I was just like, why? Like, and then I hated my dad because he was so light. And I was like, because of you, I'm this color. And now I have to carry all this because you're light and you made me this way. And mom, you should have been darker. And like, I was so mad at them. And so I came back and I was like, okay, I'm going to be black now. Hmm. I'm not going to speak Spanish. I started doing really bad in Spanish class and... But I just kept saying, well, you know, I'm dyslexic. So, like, what makes you think that I would do well? Like, you know, I'm bad at school because I'm dyslexic. And I just kept using it as a shield in front of me to, like, keep my parents away from not knowing what I was going through. And so I had my mom get my hair braided. That was the worst decision I had ever. Because then... <laughs> Then it was like, oh, so now you're trying now? Mm. Oh, she wants to be one of us now. Oh, okay, so now you're black. Got it. Well, let me tell you what black people do. And I did all this stuff that they said I, that black people did. I'm like, I live that way. Like, mm-hmm. I am. I lived in fucking Gilcrease Hills. Like, it was North Tulsa. Like, I lived in a black community. But yet, like... Me just simply getting braids tore my identity Hmm. because I was trying to be so much of what they wanted me to be. And that, and I remember one of my white friends from elementary school, she goes, oh, I like your braids. They look really good. And I said, thank you. And they just all started laughing. The whole class just started laughing. And And she looked at me and I just was like, don't like we're just not gonna engage on it because I and I have to think like I hope she didn't think that giving me a compliment was on her because it was on them and it wasn't on me and she had no reason to understand and she was literally just being nice and now she's probably like now I don't comment on anybody's braids you know like I don't know if she carried that from eighth grade but that was that was my introduction to like, and let me clarify, I, not all black girls are, have that competition mentality, but it has been put on black women to have that competition mentality. And I had never experienced anything like that. And I didn't know that it was even a Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And I had black family. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, but we were all family. Like, I never had my cousins say that they went through something like that. And I remember asking my cousins if they've been through something like that. And they're like, what are you talking about? And it just, like, they never experienced it either to that point. And then they also experienced similar things that I had. And so I remember buying, like, I took my allowance and I bought baby oil And I would sit outside and I would try to literally be as dark as possible so that they would accept me. So. (laughs) Oh, that's again. So you, it's, it's not often that you hear that side of, of colorism, right? So do you think that that quote unquote black girl competition is rooted in colorism? Yeah, because that's why they're called the token black person. Yeah. Right. Oh, we just need enough for diversity, mm-hmm. you know? And 
well, there can't be two black people on the board, corporate America, mm-hmm. or we can't have, oh, there's too many colors in here. You know, we, we got to make white people feel safe. Or, <laughs> you know, by putting other people that look different, but just not black. Shit, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, but then within itself, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who I am and I knew who I was before. But because other people were taught that, now I am wavering on myself. And I was 11, 12, 13 years old and I knew who I was. Like, I I want that to be very clear. And throughout this whole time, I want to say I had a great friends. I made the best friends in middle school. I know Mm. most people say high school, but I still have people that I talk to from middle school because they were outcasted from their group too, or they were the only one that ended up going to that middle school from their elementary school or something of the sort. They were by themselves. So it pushed me to make friends with everyone. And I made friends with the, like the Outcasts, basically. Mm -hmm. and But the outcasts were all different colors. And not to say they weren't popular. It was just that they were different from probably what their friends were. Right. Um, And then some of them were gay. Um, Oh, my God. There was this little boy. I just, this literally caught it. (laughs) And he was older than me. And he was one grade older than me. And he, his name was Scotty. And he was this little pimple. He had so many pimples. And he was this little white boy, and he was in a wheelchair, and I loved him. I, I used to tell him we were getting married, oh. and I thought he was amazing, and That's he had sweet. all these muscles because he had his wheelchair, and he could, like, like we'd be on the playground, yeah, and, yes, and he could, like, spin the fucking wheel so good. And I'm like, oh, my God, y'all, I'm going to marry Scotty when I get up. Like, no. I, I used to think that. Yeah. I wasn't. If I would have told my parents that, they would have freaked the fuck out. Not because he was in a wheelchair. Not because he was white. It's because he was a boy. Like, my parents were like, boys. Don't like, exist, right? No. No. Yeah. I was not. Like, the fact that I even knew that it was a boy, they would have been like, uh-uh. Yeah. But my dad was super protective. Like, he had two daughters. He was like, y'all, if he could have legally put on chastity belts on us, I'm he sure would have. Yes. Yes. They would have signed up for that purchase. Yes. yes. Put me on the waiting list. Exactly. And yeah. so he was that strict when it came to like the opposite sex. Like, no, you're Makes not sense. doing that. Yeah. And so, but like, I just remember him, like I had other classmates that were gay and, but my school was so diverse that the gay kids didn't really get bullied. I mean, but we used to call them gay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's gay. But I think that was a 90s thing. It was. And gay never meant gay. Yeah. Just, like, retarded didn't mean retarded. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, those were things, like, like even to this day, I still have to catch myself. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so retarded. And I'm like, but like, I have no, no. Right. And I can't say that. But that was the thing. I'm like, stop being gay. Like, and it wasn't a negative, really, but it was a negative. It's like someone saying, stop being black. And it's like, hmm. Are, are you telling me to, like, why would, okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, and then the next biggest hurdle was, why do you talk so white? In there. Yeah. And I'm like, I, do I talk, how does white sound? A lot of people can relate with that. Right. Or when everybody got mad and they were like, oh, this is because this is a black class. And I'm like, well, why would they say something like that? But my parents, I want to say this. My parents did show us that. People are treated differently because of their race. 
but my parents never allowed us to use it as a crutch. And if I would have said something like that, the wormhole would open to this day and I could feel my mom's hand come out to smack the shit out of me because I was never allowed to use the fact that I was a woman. My height, because I'm only five foot, right? Itty bitty. <laughs> right. <laughs> or the fact that I was black as a crutch. She's like, you might have to work harder, but you're going to do it. I remember my dad telling me, because you're a Jehovah's Witness, because you're a woman, and because you're black, you're going to have to work harder. That's awareness. Right. But it was never that I couldn't do it. Absolutely. But I will say this. I was told that I couldn't do something only by black people. If white people even thought it or Hispanic people thought it or anybody else thought it, they never said it to my face. But I have had black people. No, no one's going to play pay a black girl $17 to do their brows. Bitch, look at me now. Like, you know, like yeah. those are the things that I've been told. And I and if you've heard Kitra's episode, words stick to you. They do. And that stuck to me. They grow inside you. Right. They fester. They build roots. Yeah. Especially if you water them. Yeah. And if it keeps getting watered, that right. thing is going to flourish. Exactly. And so those were things that were, and this is just middle school. So me going from an international school and then my mom was like, oh, the ratio of diversity is the same. Mm -hmm. So you, you know, go to the school. Let me say this too. You got kicked out of this school. We still wore uniform. It was an elite school as well. So it wasn't the fact like, oh, well, my kid goes to, no, Mm -hmm. this stuff is still happening in a higher educational middle school. Mm -hmm. Um, then I get to the high school, and it is a historically black high school, yeah. which was amazing. Yeah. And um, that was my jam. I liked it okay. because there were so many different diversity, and it was so hard to get into the school. You had to, like, at the time, it's not anymore. At the time, you had to have a letter of recommendation. Oh, wow. Um, you had, to, I think it was, no, I think it was, like, three letters of referrals. And you had to have the GPA to get in. And then if you dropped under a 2.5 GPA, they had, you went on probation Mm -hmm. and you could get kicked out. So people were really big on their education because it was so hard to get in and it was free. So for you to fuck up with someone's education, no, like you didn't see, we might've had like a fight a year, maybe. And it was, like, a big deal. But yet, it wasn't, like, the fight was, like, one person slapped the other. And that was as far as it got because we were all, like, trying not to be instigators because you knew. What's going to happen? Yes. Yeah. And they put cameras in. That's when those little bulb oh, cameras wow. started coming out. And so they knew who was there. There was 1,200 kids in the whole school for the whole high school. That's, that's a lot. Well, I mean, that's 300. And you think now Alan yeah. has 1,200 in their fucking band. You know, like, you know, this is, this is a lot smaller than that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, I got it. And then I started making friends by group. And then I was considered by group and not by race so much anymore because it was hard to just be sticking. And I think of the, the movie Mean Girls when they were like the Chinese girls, the Chinese mean girls mm. and the jocks. And then like they kind of did it by color, but like you were in that group but still by your color so like we would be the black nerds then right. you have the white nerds then you have the asian nerds you didn't get that privilege you were just a nerd 
which we all were because we didn't have a chance or, you know, you got kicked out. school you went to, yeah. Right. Um, but I ended up meeting my high school sweetheart there. That did not go well because my dad found out and it was bad. It was really bad. What grade did you meet him? Um, I knew him in middle school, but again, not on my radar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he was a grade above me. Oh, hold on a second. Let me say <laughs> this. If you have a learning disability like dyslexia um, or anything, anything, let me say this. I won first in state for Spanish on a standardized test as a dyslexic kid. All right. Yes. Like, come at me. <laughs> And, yeah, Spanish, I took it. But first in fucking state. And this is what kids that are taking IB Spanish classes. Mm -hmm. And I can barely fucking read. And I was also on my top 95 percentile of reading comprehension. And I couldn't fucking read. So I I just want to throw that little seed out there. Yeah. Right. So if you think your kid... It's like, oh, man, they have dyslexia. What's going to happen? They can win first in fucking state. That's what can happen. And then that's if they apply themselves, that's you giving them the support and you give them the right education and you find the right teachers. And I know that's hard. And but you got to do it for your baby. So I just want to put that in there. That was like a 30 second commercial. of. (laughs) (laughs) Back to (laughs) from dyslexia. Like, (laughs) but I. I knew him. He he went to the school, but my dad found out, and he like ended up going to his house and was like to Daddy his dad's play. house. No, my dad, dad did, did not, not play. play, and like rolled up his fucking sleeves, talked to his dad. To this day, we're still friends. Okay. I talked to him on Facebook. I know his sister, like, but I was, no love lost. No, yeah, no. Um, do I think we would still be together today? I don't think so. Okay, if that's if that's I mean, a thing. It's high school people, yeah. mature and grow. Right. So, so um. He's still in Tulsa, and I know that I shouldn't be there. I know Tulsa is not the place that – Texas is definitely where I needed to be. Mm. But, um, yeah, so I met him there, and, oh, sp- another commercial for <laughs> the more you know. I graduated a year early from high school. What? Yeah, with a 3.7 GPA. Oh, and girl. Which to some Get people it. are like, oh, I had a 4.0. Our kids can have 5.0s yes, now. Yes, they can. 4.0 is nothing now. <laughs> no, yeah. you're a piece of shit, right? You're basic. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're basic. basic. <laughs> so you just took all the classes you're supposed to and yeah. got all A's? And that's it? Ew, that's gross. How you did. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, but this wasn't a thing back then. They had just introduced um, the 5.0 yeah. with weighted. Mm. And then they also just introduced at this time um, where you could take college classes. Uh, dual credit. Yes. Yeah. And so I went that route. Okay. But mm. I already had some from middle school. And oh, so okay. it already, yeah. So I lifted myself up. And they were like, honestly, you're like two credits away from, mm. from being a, uh, so I went in as a sophomore, I was at the end of my year, my sophomore year. They said, you're two credits away from being a senior, technically. So I got a job. Junior year? Yeah. So I got a job. And my dad, I said, Dad, I would like to loan $300 because it was like $150. No, I failed a class. I failed Algebra 2. And I said, I would like the $300 because it was $100 per class to take this over the summer. And I will pay you back. Well, of course, my dad, always looking for a reason to teach you something. Teachable moments. Yes. He was like, oh, you want a loan. 
And I was like, yeah, I guess. Mm -hmm. I I don't know what a fucking loan is. No, Mm -hmm. I technically really want you to pay for it, but I know you're not going to. So I'm going to get a job. So I got my driver's license. My parents gave me their Ford Windstar van. All right, classy. Okay. Classy. But I was the only one that had AC in their fucking car. So who who wanted to go where? Everybody was trying to go. And I could carry 10. Yes. And I could carry 10. Mm -hmm. Even though my car at this point was over 10 years old. That's fine. Um, the ignition, like there was a lot of things wrong with it, but I was a free car. And so I had my car. I had a job at this point, got my driver's license. I, I paid my bat, my dad back, mm-hmm. got my transcript scripts, turned it into, um, the school right before an, an enrollment. And I came back as a senior. Wow. Um, summer school was like the best thing that ever happened to me. Everything thinks like the stereotype of the movie, there's no AC and people are just like kicking it in there. I learned more in every subject in a month than I did in a whole year at school. I loved summer school because it was like focusing on that one subject that I could really give it attention. Mm -hmm. And for someone with dyslexia, it's it's, we're not moving as fast, but we're moving as fast. If that makes sense. you only have a month or right, two. Right, right. Yeah. But you have four hours to really learn a concept. So I really enjoyed it, which I know a lot of people don't say. Um, but, yeah, I had I had a good time in summer school. And, <laughs> and then I you come back as, as a, a senior, senior. And I think some of my friends were kind of mad about that. What did that do for your confidence, your self-esteem? Um, so much. Yeah. One, that boyfriend that I had, we're now in the same grade. All right. Right? Um, But two, I had been told so many times that I couldn't do something because of my my learning disability. That part. Um, Or (laughs) never in my school did I ever have, like, the race problem. The black girl, the black girl competition thing was definitely there. Yeah. But it wasn't as, as accepted. As it was, yeah, in high school. Um, A lot of, I feel like my high school was really nerdy, like, not not nerdy, but yeah, we were all geeks that just so happened to be bad sometimes. Excuse me. So, um, that's what I felt like. Yeah. Like, I was living everyday life, and I was good, and then, like, a sentence would happen and mm. I turned into this whole different person. And like he controlled that person. Yeah. And he did those things. When I got crazy, it's because I was pushed to that point. Yeah. And it's almost like a manipulation of characteristics. And then, why? Oh, he would say something and then I would get all right. And then he would look at me and like, why are you so mad? Are you okay? I don't feel comfortable leaving this my son with you. That's, and then you uh, think to yourself, am I fucking crazy? Mm-hmm. That's manipulation at its finest. There's there's like an actual term for yeah, it, right? Is. Like like a, I, I yeah. and I saw it on Snapchat the other day, but it's it is oh and I real and then I was like, well, if he's gonna threaten to take my kid away, I I can't do that. Like, I can't get my kid taken away. So I gotta, I'm gonna be good. And then other abuse, other abuse. And I'm also abusing him. I'm, I'm gonna, hmm. You're owning up to it. Yes, but like, 
Is it abuse if you're protecting yourself and your child? No, it's not. Okay. Well, that's what I was doing. You were defending yourself. Right. But at the same time, I know that I have a smart mouth. And at the same time, I know I probably instigated sometimes that I probably just should have shut the fuck up. And then when the I did know spousal rape was a thing and that was happening, mm. I did not know that was a thing. And I think that sometimes, um, not Joe's Witnesses, but sometimes in religion, yes, it is not recognized. And that's a problem that I have with religion on certain on certain levels. Agree. Um, and nasty things, just nasty. And so I'm I am weird about sexual things. But with Brandon, I have to also remind him we don't have that foundation of a relationship. So him tying me up or mm-hmm. him being aggressive. We don't have that relationship or that foundation of a relationship where there is pain or there is fear or I don't trust him that it doesn't trigger me. Okay. At the beginning of our relationship, it did. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. Or like he would try to kiss me on my cheek, come in behind me, and I would have to like literally pull away. Because which, of past trauma. Yeah. But I didn't know how to articulate that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do that. Um, anyway, so the only person I had was the strip club and fucking Sharissa, <laughs> you know, and then I didn't realize how conservative Kansas was oh. and that was a hit in my face and I was prepared for it okay. because I had gone through all that racial shit already and getting it from all sides that I didn't fucking care anymore. So, so back it up. How did you okay. guys get to Kansas? Oh, um, well, he was from Kansas. Okay. Yeah, and I was from Tulsa. Okay. So we ended up moving, moving and I'm, there. yeah, uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I was, I was um working at the. I almost told you what restaurant it was. They probably definitely do not want to claim me after mm-hmm. this. Um, but I was working at the restaurant where I met Sharissa. Ah, okay. And I remember asking her. I was like, "Are you Hawaiian?" <laughs> because she had the cheeks and she had the height and she had the shoulders. Could easily be mistaken. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, no. And I was like, you Nada? She's like, yeah. I'm like, what's up, girl? Like, and after that, yes. yeah. And now we're friends. Yeah. Um, but the only people that I had friends with in Kansas were people that weren't from Kansas. Makes sense. Because I couldn't stand any of them. Take that back. There were some that I, I will say I'm still friends with now. Okay. But my core group that I hung out with um, were from Kansas. And they felt the same thing. White, black, Mexican, Puerto Rican, Asian. All of them felt the same shit that I did and got the same shit that I did. Why do you talk white? Why do you do this? The stuff that I had been getting for the last 10 years at this point, I'm getting. Finally, yes, follow me to Kansas. So I found friends that didn't care. Okay. And then I found out. None of us were from Kansas. And then we were all dealing with the same shit. Um, I will never forget this. Me, Sharissa, um, a, a group of our friends um, were sitting at a round table at this restaurant that has two letters. Mm-hmm. And one comes after the letter A. <laughs> <laughs> and the other letter comes before the letter K. K. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And we're sitting there and we're just chilling. We all got off of work. They stayed out late. So when we got off, they were still open. Yeah. So we would go and have a couple of drinks and eat and share a plate, whatever, just chilling after work. And I specifically remember the waitress coming up to the table and being like, how do you guys all know each other? And I was like, she was black. Okay. And she, I was like, oh, we work together. And she was like, so you guys like hang out outside of work? What was Restaurant- the issue with that? Because it was me, Sharissa, some little redheaded white kid, one little Asian girl, this other person's Mexican, another little Asian girl, and then this chocolate, oh, skin, chocolate boy sitting at the other end. And we're just all talking and chilling. And she goes, so how do you guys know each other, though? I'm like, we work together. So was that not something customary in Kansas? No. Such a diverse group of people to be... Mm-mm together so that's why y'all stood out so much yes and let me say this too i don't know what it's like now because every time i drive past that fucking city i flip them the fuck off because i like i think that's understandable okay (laughs) (laughs) anytime i hear my son's there right now so i don't wish it burn right now but when my son gets back i don't really care what happens i'll get his nana out but (laughs) but i every time me and Sharissa would go somewhere together how do y'all know each other Mm. or, but I would never get it with anybody else. I was also told that I had a friend that was too dark and they didn't want me to talk to her because she was too dark. Um, I've been there with Brandon yeah. and reverse racism and it's not reverse racism. It's just still fucking racism where they'll talk to me and not acknowledge him. Really? And I forget, I forget that that's where I'm going and that it's still a thing. And it's because we're an interracial couple. It's not because he's white or I'm black. Right. It's because you guys we're are together. together. But you would think that he would be the one to be addressed. In that I don't know. Black people fucking hate white people. I'm fucking Kansas. And I'm, no, I'm, I'm generalizing. Not all right, of you. Right. <laughs> in my experience, yeah. this is what I experienced. And that's what was happening. So... That that was that I was I was there for it, and so when I say like we when me and my ex husband decided to split up, and I started dating, we were not we were not divorced. We started okay. dating, um, but it was over. Yeah. He had two other girls and multiple of other kids, and I'm doing my own thing. I was still in Kansas trying to get out, but I would hide money, mm-hmm. and. He would try to do his thing, and I would give him what he needed to get him away because I didn't want to deal with it. So if it was $50 that I had, I would just hide it somewhere. Um, I would hide money at my restaurant that I worked with so that I could pay my rent. I would check my pockets to make sure I didn't have anything. Um, I've hidden money at Charissa's. I've stayed at Charissa's. When when people don't understand, (laughs) when I'm like... If something happened to Brandon and she wasn't marrying her fiance now, I would marry Shariza. No sexual things would happen, yeah. but I would marry her. Because she had your back. Yeah. And I had hers. Yeah. Like, we, like, if she needed anything today, she knows that she could call me. And pretty much all my friends are like that, you know, in some aspect of it. Yeah. But she's, when we said we were shitty people, <laughs> I was a shitty people. I, and I was doing stuff that was putting me in dangerous situations. As a mom, my son never saw it. Thank God, yeah. But I was in, I mean, dangerous. And not only that, which, yeah, 
let's just say it. Wichita, Kansas is one of the highest sex rate, sex trafficking cities in really? America. At least it was then. I don't know. I don't keep tabs on them. I don't really? give a fuck. Um, <laughs> but it was. And I put myself in, mul- excuse me, multiple situations where I could have been picked up. Mm. Like really bad. I from between the drugs, the alcohol, and just fucking anything that had a dick. So what was the turning point? He came and took all my money. Wow. And um the funny part is is that I knew I was leaving. Like I, I don't think that was my turning point. Hmm. But I was working on getting out. Never would have told him that. I think Sharissa knew. Um, but I was working on getting out. Okay. And no matter how much my dad disagreed with my lifestyle and what I was doing as a person and all that other stuff, um, I knew that I couldn't leave if I had debt. And I still had my car payment. I didn't have any credit card debt. I didn't have mm-hmm. any student loans because I didn't go to college, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I knew if I had that car loan, I wasn't going to be able to have, I wouldn't be able to do anything else. And so I was like, I'm going to pay off this car. So I was paying that car off, like putting money down on it every week so I could get myself out. And if I got it paid off, then I know I was free to go. A ticket to freedom. Right. Cause there was no reason for me to go back. Yeah. Like there was nothing for me to do. I could leave. I was leaving good friends that I had made, but I was not living the lifestyle. And I knew that I needed to leave. And I knew I couldn't go to my mama's house because he knew where that was. Mm. And I knew what he was doing to manipulate other people to believe I was something that I wasn't, even though half of it probably was true. I was still like, I can't go to my mama's house. He knows where that is. And it's too close. Wichita to Tulsa is like a two-hour drive, maybe an hour and 45 minutes if you hit it a little bit harder. But I was like, I got to go to Texas. Hmm. Didn't tell him where I was going. I had a client of mine. Um, I was doing massage. I had three jobs at the time. So to provide for me and Tyler, I had three jobs. And I had a client at the time that was a state trooper. And I remember calling him. And I was like, I need somebody outside my house. Like, I'm five foot. He's 6'2". Like, I need to get my shit and I need to go. And all I needed was just clothes. Like, I didn't need the couches. Like, I didn't need a truck. I put everything in my Acura. Like, you know, all that I needed. And he was like, we can't really do anything until something happens. He's like, less if you call and ask for an escort. And this is at, like, 10 o'clock at night. And he the hadn't. The day came. you're trying to leave, or the night you're trying right. to leave. Right, right. Because I knew if I set it all up, then they might call. He of might course. answer my phone, yeah. or you know, I didn't know. I need. I know. Like, if this is the time, this is when we're doing it. Yeah. And so, I remember he still sent somebody over and like parked down the street. Hmm. So I, I just like turned on my lights. I started packing up my car. Um, we went out that night. Me and Sharissa went out that night. I got fucked one last, up. One yeah. last part. Oh, I got fucked up. Oh. I got really fucked up that night. And I think I like farted in her boyfriend's face or something like that. Oh, <laughs> I was Classy. terrible. I threw up a burrito. <laughs> like, I was fucked up. But <laughs> I remember him yelling at me. Your ex-husband. Yes. Off the balcony of the apartment. 
saying, you're never going to be shit. I will find you. How dare you? And I, I, every time he would say, how dare you? Something bad was going to happen after. Which like historically in your relationship? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so I developed OCD problems in the bathroom. If something bad happened, either with any type of abuse, I knew he would never follow me in the bathroom. Hmm. When I went to the boot camp, um, I found for the second time with Brandon, mm-hmm. I found out that my OCD in the bathroom, I thought it was something quirky, but it was because I tried to take so long in the bathroom. So I did everything in twos. I wiped myself twice. I flushed the toilet twice. Yeah. I did two times of pumps of soap. I would wash my hands twice. I would draw my hands twice because it meant I was in there longer. It and delayed it, right, what was going to happen. Right. And if he came in, I looked like I was being busy. And so that's how I survived. And then I brought that with me, not knowing that that was something from trauma that now I have an OCD problem with. And so I just remember him saying that and yelling. And I came to Texas. I stayed with family. I had $120 in my bank account. Mm. I shouldn't even say my bank account in cash. (laughs) Right? I'm a server life. I didn't have a bank account. Mm. Um, Stayed with family, and within 12 hours, I had a place to stay. I had a job, a well-paying job at another restaurant, high-end restaurant, and um, a, a, someone to watch my son. Wow. That, you got to work. And because I worked at such a higher-end restaurant in Wichita, and the training this training at Wichita is – or that restaurant, I shouldn't say Wichita, yeah. but just that restaurant is so intense – I got through the training for this restaurant that normally takes, I think they said like seven or eight days. I did it in two days. Wow. Because I was like, okay, got it. Got to make money. I ain't got nothing Not else to do. games. Right. But the interview that I had to get that job literally changed my life. The one here? Here in Texas. What happened? <laughs> he asked me, he said, Who's the smartest person you know? Or think of the smartest person you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like Albert Einstein. I'm thinking um, Mohammed. You know, like I'm thinking my dad. I'm thinking Oprah because mm-hmm. Oprah's always the answer, <laughs> right? Um, and he goes, no matter how many people you name and no matter one person that you say, Collectively, we're all smarter than that one person. What did that mean to you? Well, he explained it. (laughs) He explained it. (laughs) Um, But I I told him what situation I was. I was very honest. Yeah. And he said, I want you to take the knowledge that you have now, and I want you to absorb everyone in this room. Hmm. And watch everyone in this room, and I want you to give me a report of what happened. Yeah. And for the first shift that I worked, I didn't learn the menu. I literally sat in a booth and watched everybody and gave him a report of what happened. And I was supposed to tell him what I didn't like. And I was supposed to tell him what I did like and what I learned. And then when I turned it in, he goes, you can think of the smartest person you know. But the library has accounts of all the smart people on record. True. And then I said, okay, 
And I knew that I needed to start learning again. And that was my turning point. Just him doing that. And let me tell you, this was all in Spanish because I worked for a Mexican restaurant. Oh, wow. And I hadn't, I wasn't allowed to speak Spanish in my, in Kansas, in Kansas. With your ex-husband. Yes. So I wasn't allowed to teach my son Spanish. So allowed. It was frowned upon. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Very frowny. It was not supported. Yes. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) And so this was all in Spanish. And so the fact that I got that concept and he talked to me like a person and then I was staying with family. So I still, I got that community. I didn't have any family back in Kansas and I, my parents still did not know I was in Texas. Because you were afraid that they would find out through him? Yes. I was afraid that they were going to tell me to go back. Because Uh, they, yeah, like, or he was going to find them or like, I, I was really afraid. The fear was real. So when he told me that, I went to Barnes and Nobles and I got books on CD. Mm. And CDs were a thing then. Yes, they were, y'all. Right? Yes, they were. <laughs> and I listened to these books and I started with the self-help and then I got into psychology mm. and then I got in sociology and then I got into um, anthropology and I was like, All I, the ologies. Yes, I got into it. And I was like, I love this. It brought you back, I'm sure, to the person that you knew you were inside. And well, I had to understand myself. Stifled so for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And he still had control over me. Don't let me. Don't. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. That's not something he, that easily no. goes away. Anytime he called me, it was a fight. It was this. And then he had his little girlfriends calling me. That's for sure. And, there, and it wasn't even a fight with me. Did you know he misses you? And like, oh yeah, like our kids need to be brothers. And mm. I'm sorry, I'm all down for sister wiving. <laughs> like, I'm not lying. Like, if I can get accessible yeah. on all ends, yeah. But if you fucking think for one second I'm gonna go back to your city and I and then I found out that you filed a report and you want me to come and live with you yeah. after, like. Can you smell a trap coming? Yeah. I mean, come on. But the biggest thing was, is if you keep me happy, I won't file for child support. Because I was the only one he actually legally married. Oh, wow. And I was the only one that had a name on a birth certificate. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Like, the whole thing was try to keep me happy, but I'm still going to try to control you. Narcissism is a thing. And we have to learn it. Yeah. You know, you need to learn. And I think the funniest thing is... When people, uh, there's there's a psychologist that says, "How do you know if someone's a narcissist?" Say, "Are you a narcissist?" And they say, "Yes." Like that's the joke. Because they're okay with yes, being that way. Yes, yes. It's a power thing for them. Yes. to accept it. Yes. And yeah. so I started learning about narcissists. Hmm. I started learning about PTSD. I started learning about shame. Yeah. I started learning about other women. I started asking all these questions that I wasn't getting answers to, or that I didn't feel like I had anyone to talk to. So I started reading a lot. Thanks, Dyslexia. Now they have CDs. <laughs> like, fuck you, bitch. Beat that. Yeah. <laughs> and I could listen and I could comprehend. Yeah. And I knew what was going on. I knew what I needed to do. And I, then I started using my powers for evil because I was mm. like, oh, now I know how the human's mind work. Let's test out mm-hmm. this. So you're telling me if I use these three words in, you know, consecutive to a table that I'm serving, that I might get a 10% extra? Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. 
which I don't feel like necessarily it's in evil, but I started using it for evil. For your own benefit? Yeah. Well, I started using it on men. Okay. Well, (laughs) which was evil. (laughs) Um, uh, No, I did. And so, anyways, let's just fast forward a little bit. So, I moved from that restaurant. I'm still learning intensely. I started dating this guy, went really wrong, Mm -mm. fast. He was one of those Christians that wanted to pray before and after sex. He had a guitar and a beard, and I fell hard for it. Okay. We're just gonna leave that there. Anyways, but I was still trying to get as much dick. I'm still married at this point. Like legally. Legally, I'm still married, yeah. Um so I end up working at another chiropractor and um no 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 no. I started working at Brio, which Jamie, I met Jamie, she's a person that's gonna be on these podcasts as well. Met her, and she was I'm gonna be honest. She was the newest black girl that I've met mm-hmm. that did not have black girl competition. And I'm sure that was refreshing as hell. And then we started telling each other stories. Yeah. And then we started connecting. And to this day, Jamie is the homegirl. She's probably my fourth friend that I meet in Texas. Okay. Um, you'll hear her podcast and you're going to be like, yep, I can see why you and Christina are friends. <laughs> She's amazing, and she pulled me up. She is older than me, um, yeah. but she pulled me up, and we worked together there. And, well, then th- that bitch didn't tell me that I was in a lesbian relationship, and I had no fucking idea. With who? With another girl we worked with. I thought How we were just being friends. <laughs> How? I thought we were being friends. Okay. And I was still new to Texas. It's only been, like, maybe, oh, has it been no, it hasn't been a year. It's been like maybe three months. And I'm working both jobs actually at the time. I'm working the Mexican restaurant in Brio, which is an Italian restaurant. Okay. Yeah. And there's this girl there, and she's like super cool. I liked her. We're wearing uniforms where we're wearing a button-up and a tie. So it's not like I can t- say, oh, she's wearing a tie. Right. She must be on the other side. Mm-hmm. Like and she was really nice to me. And I was like, I'm looking for friends. Uh, so she was like, hey, do you want to go on um, a float trip down uh, Guadalupe? And I'm like, hell yeah. I've never been to one of those before. And I was like, well, I don't have any money. So <laughs> I'm going to pass. And she was like, no, 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 no. We got you. We're going to split everything five ways. And she was like, you can just pay me back when you get back. And I was like, cool. Like, she knew my story. Yeah. She knew what I was going through. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll go with you guys. And we went, and it just got more and more intense. Someone asked me for my number. She kind of freaked out. And I was like, that's weird. Maybe she's just jealous because no guy is asking her for her number. Okay. And that's what I took it as. Right. She wasn't black, though. She was white. Just female competition. Okay. Okay. Female competition. I just want to make sure it was like. Right, right. No, no, no. But I'm putting black girl competition on this girl. Anyways. So we get back, and she was like, so you're just going to let guys just ask you for your number in front of me? And I was like, I'm sorry. Like, did you like him? Like, I'm like, you can have his number if you want. Like, I'm being super. And she's like, no, Christine, that's not what I want. And I was like, all right. I would go to her apartment and let the cat out for her. And then she would, like, take me out for drinks. I paid her back for the trip. I want to say that. Okay. Jamie knew this whole time we were dating, and I did not fucking know. How long were you in this relationship for that um, she did not For, know like, two about? months. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
So I dated this girl for two months. And then when I found out, I felt bad. And I didn't want her to think that I didn't want to be her friend anymore. Okay. So then I was like, well, now we have to be in a relationship. No, <laughs> you don't. Girl, you don't. Oh. So then I actually dated, dated her. Okay. Out and- of obligation in a sense uh, to start with but then i was like i actually like her like she was okay. a good person okay. and i am i identify i know you you're gonna ask me but i identify as pansexual when i okay. found out what pansexual was i was like oh that's me, that's me. okay i love the person not the genitalia or what comes with it i feel you yes i love the soul um but because of my my sexual abuse that i had I was really intense on if I want a connection with you, I felt like I had to have sex with you. And I've tried to bring that in other relationships where I've told women that I would never fuck because I have a strict I don't fuck friends Mm -hmm, rule. mm -hmm. I would never fuck. I don't see my clients like that. I don't even – I'm in a relationship right now, so it's not something that stimulates me now. But I've told friends, like, I feel like I need to fuck you in order for us to take our relationship to the next level. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Okay. It does. Absolutely does. But that was something I had to work out on therapy Mm -hmm. and I was putting it on other women and they were like, Whoa. So I lost friends because of that. That's understandable. Um, but it wasn't because I actually wanted to fuck them because I was like, Oh, I love it. was because I was chasing that connection. Yeah. Like, Oh, I really like you. So that means we have to have sex in order for you to understand that. And Mm -hmm. that's not pansexual either. Let me clarify that. (laughs) That's Christine's version of her trauma sexuality. Yeah. And, so, but when I found out pansexual, and I was like, so it doesn't matter what they have between their legs, and it doesn't matter what they used to be or who they are, you just love the person. Yeah, I'm that person. Okay. Like, I am the definition. I don't care if you're transgender, if you're fucking drag. You connect if, with their soul first. You connect right, with who they are. Right. And then if they want to put it in the butt or if they want to put it in the pink, I'm okay with that. And all right. <laughs> You know, I'm going to love you for who you are. Yeah. And um, I and I know that people are all over that level of where they are on the spectrum, either nope or yes yep. or, or eh, maybe, yeah, right. kind of, sort of, maybe not. My biggest thing is, is how do you know you don't like eating pussy until you try to eat pussy? Like, <laughs> how did you know that you were going to like broccoli? Like, you, you don't like grilled you broccoli? Like Have you had grilled broccoli? And you're like, fuck, grilled broccoli is good. <laughs> Now you're eating pussy on the rag. That's a great analogy. <laughs> Broccoli and pussy. Broccoli and pussy. <laughs> I, I tell you. I- All right. I know we kind of left you <laughs> a certain weird spot. The rest of the interview is on the last section of this um, series. So you can go to the third bonus Um, episode and you can hear the rest of our conversation. I hope you're enjoying this. I hope we're connecting just a little bit. If you never understood me, I hope you understand me a little bit more now. And I will catch you on the next one.